Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, my guest is Jim Greer, and if you've been following any of the trade publications, you probably already know that Jim just recently completed the Great Loop uh, completely under solar power which is, of course, a feat and makes his loop a little bit different than many. So we're always interested in people who do it a different way. So we'll bring in Jim in just a moment. Before we do, as usual, I'd like to take a minute to recognize and thank our Admiral Level sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Jim Greer, thank you for joining me today. Well, it's my pleasure, Kim. We uh, we you know been paying attention to you guys, and we you were a big inspiration for us because that's where we first obviously heard about the thing. We looked into it, and we decided to do it our way. Well, and we encourage everyone to do it their own way. There's really no right or wrong way, but certainly yours is different. Um, and that's what we want to focus on today is how doing the loop under solar power as opposed to fossil fuels made it a different experience. And, of, of course, there's money saving to have there. Um, but let's let's back up for a minute first. Let's talk about your background, your boating experience. Kind of give us the backstory on how you came to do the loop aboard a solar-powered vessel. Well, it used to be, I don't know if you've ever, every now and then you'll see a scene in a movie and it'll be come it'll be from a car and the car will be crossing a bridge or going down a road beside a river and as you're in that car you're seeing all the beauty of the river and that's what I used to do I would see it and I always wondered when I would see a boat on that river or underneath the bridge what those people were thinking and what they were doing and what their life was like and it just inspired me so much I finally decided that I would you know I would try it my own way so we started, you know, looking into ways to do it and everything. And, of course, uh, we we were running into blockades that the expense for us was going to be too great. So we started trying to find a way that we could do it without spending any fossil fuels at all. But my first experience with any type of cruising, and there's uh, several of our friends out there know a little bit about that story, is at 14 I built a scow type of a boat and drifted down the Arkansas River to the Mississippi in search of Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn because I truly believed <laughs> that they were around. And that's what the loop turned out to be because we found out all about Huck Finn and all of that up on the Illinois River near the Ohio on a little island up there. So we figured that we were successful in that way. But that's about it. We 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 built the boat on, you know, it was purposely built for doing it. We figured that we could do it without spending any money for fuel. I had gotten some stories, uh, none of them being truly accurate. Uh, you know, your loopers will all know, but I had heard stories that it runs six, 8,000 to 20,000 in fuel to do the trip, you know, and whether those are true numbers, I don't know because I didn't do it that way, but it obviously that wasn't what we wanted to do. Plus we, we are, we're, we're, we're kind of against a lot of the fossil fuels. We Fortunately, we have electric bike. We have an electric car. We have a, a house that's all solar-powered. 
that we pay no electric bill. So we're, we truly are in, as our name implies pirates of the sun. We let the sun power everything that we can. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us about the boat itself. Um, I know you built it. Uh, tell us about its specs, its design, um, but also about the technology that allowed you to do this under solar power. Okay. When we, when we looked into the boat design, we had, we had, we had made a decision on a trimaran so that we could have a narrow hull that could carry enough weight to, uh, it, for the boat itself and everything, but be easy to push through the water. So we built what we call a, a, a straight stem boat, which, uh, as we call it, is a slicer model. It slices right through the water, makes no wake at all, no matter what speed it runs. Very easy to push on low horsepower because we, as we looked into motors and things like that, we found the technology was such that fire the motors or the torque of the motors wasn't enough to push, a, or in this case, a 48-foot boat. So we had to make it as efficient as possible because we, we ended up with like 10 horsepower total if you measured it in horsepower, I suppose. But So we, we worked that out, um, thought it through, looked at canoe shapes, that type of a thing, and that's what we ended up with is a long, skinny canoe with a couple of outriggers on it to balance it, which become a very stable boat, and it gives us room to put our solar panels on, et cetera. And to carry everything, we built it as a we call it our tent camper. It has no basic interior other than some bunks and a counter and cook stoves and that type of a thing and a, and a, uh, a toilet system that's, uh, you know, the kind that, you know, I, I, I always forget the name of the thing, but the, the type of toilet that you can recycle your own waste, the type of a thing, which in itself is, you know, it's a necessity as opposed to building a lot of technology into it, especially when you're on a low budget. But similar to that, we got it done. Uh, we put it together. It seemed to work. Uh, we, we, of course, there's a story about us. I put it in the water and didn't look at the weather, which I do suggest everybody always check their weather because I didn't. And I ended up in Hurricane Debbie in 2013. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't a fun time to do, but we survived it and, uh, and, and went on and finally got around. We had to do it, of course, as most people know. We did it in two different segments. But we had a bit of a setback uh, medically, so we had to take a year off. And then we went back and finished it. Uh, mm-hmm. We got up to Waterford, New York, and then we finished it from Waterford, New York. But the boat, as I said, it's plywood and fiberglass. Uh, it's, it's called bulkhead longitudinal stringer construction. Uh, very basic on the cabin shape, obviously. It was never meant to be a yacht. Uh, it was meant to be just exactly what it is, a method to go around the loop to prove that you could do it without spending any money on fuel, and which we did. We had no generators, no way to plug it in because the way the, the solar works, and you can't put a charger with solar to plug into a – there was a lot of stories. They said, what are you doing? You're plugging in at night. No, we, there's no way to do that. It takes a very special set of equipment to add a battery charger to charge 48-volt batteries when they're hooked up to solar. So it's pure, pure solar. So, so Jim, t- explain a little bit more about that solar technology. If you're, if you're not charging batteries, um, 
are you completely dependent on it being a bright sunny day to be able to cruise that day? Um, and you know, kind of explain how many solar panels you had, what kind of engine, all of that information about how the solar power actually worked. Okay, when we started, we we started out with sixteen solar panels. Uh, they're they're basically two hundred and sixty watts apiece, and we found we were a little short, so we added some more panels to the boat. Uh, the way that the solar converts, uh, you know, in, into electricity that goes through uh, some some different boxes, inverter, et cetera, and it converts it to 48 volts, which charge the battery. The boat runs on battery power. The sunshine through the solar panels and, and all the converters charge those batteries so that you can run. So you're always running on the batteries. Now, if you're taking so much battery power and using it to propel the boat, and only what, let's say if that's what the solar panels are making, then you come out with a, a net zero. But in our case, we use we tried to run about 60% on the batteries and put 40% back into charging so that we could make a day. And after we had went up to the 20, we had 20 solar panels. When we stepped up to 20 solar panels, we found that we could run all day with no problem, and we can actually run on what the solar panels themselves are making and not even have to utilize taking battery power out. We stayed neutral all day long, so at the end of the day, our batteries were fully charged. Um, it's a, And then, you know, you have if you don't put too much stuff in, in, in your boat for – we have a refrigerator and it runs the little electric refrigerator fine. And, uh, you know, our lights, of course, for navigation and lights in the cabin are LED. When you turn them on, they don't even draw half of an amp, a quarter of an amp or less, uh, so that we weren't ever really using the battery tower. The electric motors are brushless. Uh, they're in an outboard form. The motors are uh, torpedo-shaped. Like, like you would see on a torpedo from a sub, let's say, with a propeller. And I guess that's they're, they're manufactured by a company called Torquedo, which I guess is German for torpedo. But the Torquedo motors were um, very efficient. Uh, the only time that we ever had a single thing with the, the motors themselves was always my fault because I learned the hard way all about Florida, East Coast, the oyster beds, Georgia's shallows, New Jersey shallows. I was able mm-hmm. to find a lot of shallows and wipe out props. So I, I carried a lot of props with me at first until I finally figured out that's what they have red and green buoys for. Make sure you stay where you're <laughs> supposed to be. Well, I think that's an experience a lot of loopers can relate to, regardless of what kind of boat you're in. Um, do you have an estimate, Jim, of the cost for the solar equipment? Um, so that people can kind of compare that to what they are estimating they might spend on diesel fuel. Okay. The cost of the solar equipment, uh, in my case, uh, and this is all, we have no sponsors. Basically, we had we have a, uh, an engineer helped us wire it and did that kind of work for us. But the cost of the solar equipment come out, batteries, solar panels, everything that was needed, at about thirty thousand, thirty-two thousand uh, okay. dollars. The motors, the motors. Uh, there's we have a we have what we call a ten kW torpedo motor. 
and two four kW torpedo motors, and those are basically about uh, sixteen thousand, fifteen thousand uh, dollars for their for their cost. So about a forty-five thousand dollar cost to put it on the hull, and the hull was self-built. They had a very low budget, so we ended up with uh, definitely less than fifty thousand dollars in the whole project. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I assume that the solar technology you used on the boat is similar to what we see on land, and the prices for that seem to continue to drop. Would that be your thought that a few years from now that cost would be even less? The cost actually today compared to when I bought the stuff in 2012 is probably about 50% less. You know, wow. it, it has went down that much. So I don't mm-hmm. see it going down at that drop that fast right now, it definitely is dropping. Uh, the big thing they're doing, it, it comes out, it's, it's cost per watt. So that, like now, the same size panels, when they're, like mine are, actually mine, I think, are 245 watts per panel. They're now 300 and 325 watts for the same panel. So you pay a less price for the panel, and you get more watts, so your watt, your cost per watt has dropped 60, 80% compared to what it was in 2012. So yes, they are. It is dropping. It's uh, it's 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 definitely a. Uh, I think it's an economical way, uh, mm-hmm. and, and a person would just have to judge themselves whether they want the speed of the of the fuel motors uh, cover the distance and not not be in a you know about reliability and the fact that they can cover the miles. But as as you may ask the one question, and we might get into that, uh, I, I would leave in the morning, and I compare this, and it was kind of fun because we are nature people, and we like to see everything. And, of course, we I think we've got about 20-something thousand photos that we took on the thing. And it um, we call it the tortoise and the hare race. We... <laughs> We were befriended, and and I always think they took us up. It's, it's like a, I don't know, we were their mascot or something. A lot of the nice power boats and the people that we met, but they would leave in the morning and they'd go, well, we'll see you guys, and they'd leave, and we'd chug along and we'd get to an anchorage or a marina and we'd pull in and there they sat. But we mm-hmm. ran all day, they ran a half a day, you know, that type of thing, because the people that we were following around and talking to were people that were enjoying the loop for the way it should be enjoyed. Don't hurry it. You know, look at everything and try to enjoy what you see. Because right. it's something that you don't see, as you know, Kim, from the interstate. It's, it's <laughs> an experience itself, you know. Very true. So, you know, you mentioned the speed and the number of miles. So tell us what the stats that you had were. What was your typical cruising speed? What was your range per day? After doing the experimentation and everything and getting the boat to its final, you know, power setup that we have right now today, we we were averaging about five miles. I use everything by miles per hour. I'm sorry. I don't uh, – I still consider oh, just a highway. So mm-hmm. but we run about five miles an hour, and we would – we'd have some 20-mile days sometimes, but most of the time we'd get 30, and our longest day was 112 miles where we ran daylight into the dark, other than the, our gulf crossing that, that uh, raised a few eyebrows because we left, uh, you know, the, up on the peninsula there in Florida 
uh, wherever we turned out up there, and I went straight across the Newport Ritchie nonstop, 162 miles, and we ran day and night, day and night, with the boat running on either solar or battery power all night long, and we set the throttles at three miles an hour, and that's how we crossed the Gulf. And it was, wow. and that, I had a couple of my friends that are out there that a lot of people know. And I, I don't recommend doing that to anybody. Pay more attention because he told me, he said, Jim, I'll never see you again because you don't have a radio. You don't have communication. Your cell phone don't work. If something happens to you out there, nobody will ever know. And I said, well, it's not going to happen. It just meant we've been, well, all total, the boat's been 16,000 miles now, but uh, we've ran this far so far, so I think we can do 160, you know. So we made mm-hmm. it, God willing, I guess. So we, we got here. And we were and how many hours was it. how many hours did it take you to do the golf crossing? It would have been two days and two nights, I think, it would be the way it would be figured. Mm-hmm. I, I I have to say we used the weather to help us. Uh, mm-hmm. We 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 ran into the night. The last night we were 28 miles from what we call Sandbar Island, which is just just outside of Carpenter uh, Springs, and that was where our in, entrance into the housing area where we stay at and where we keep the boat. But uh, we were getting close. We we're, were about 28 or 24 miles, and we were both tired. But both of us stayed up all the time, and we ran. We were paying attention. But uh, so I, I had checked the currents and the way the breeze was that we had only very slight breeze. It was perfect condition for a powerboat. I mean, it was it been a great crossing for somebody like that. But uh, mm-hmm. so we decided, looking at the yellow marks on my Navionics that showed where I had been, I said, well, this current is pushing us right where we want to go. So I shut the motors off and. And we took a nap. We checked every hour, and we we run with the current 14 miles that night, and got up in the morning, and run three hours to the island, and we were there, you know. So, but uh, wow, so we basically story. it was two days, two nights. But we did use the current to help us, you know, you know the tidal situation, and it carried us. I didn't get outside of my mark, hardly a squiggle on the line. It just mm-hmm. took us right to where we were going. So I, I figured we had, we had there had been some reason it worked like that way. But I found it was it was quite rewarding for me because I like those kind of things, you know, finding that out. So, but it, you you've mentioned a couple times, it. Jim, um, we when you're talking about the experiences. Who was your crew? Okay, definitely had a I've had a I've had. I've had a lot of crew. Unfortunately, we don't mm-hmm. we don't need to go into that. Unfortunately, but uh, Travis Lau was my first mate and been a friend of mine for a while. He was with me. He was with me the first time for part of it and biggest part of it. And then he came back to Waterford and then finished it with me and stayed. He's a retired military person and he um, he had nothing better to do. He said and come with me, so he did. So he's been quite involved. The the word we to me is something that. I don't know. I think my English teacher, which my English isn't great, I think I failed it. But uh, <laughs> I don't ever use the word. I only use we because I found out a long time ago that I can never do anything by myself without the help of a friend somewhere. So I use the word we. We did it. All the loopers did it. Everybody that gave me inspiration, that's that's the we that I speak of. Got it. I love that. 
We're going to take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, I do want to focus a little bit more on what was different about doing this in a solar-powered boat. So we'll have some more questions about that when we return. We'll be back in a moment. Good morning, loopers. Many of you are probably already cruising in southeastern waters, and that is where the Salty Southeast Cruises Net focuses all of its efforts to help you enjoy your time on the water. So as you prepare for the next leg of your journey and as your resource for accurate, timely, and useful information, we want to invite you to use and add your knowledge to the wealth of information that's available through the Cruisers Net in its directories for marinas, bridges, and anchorages, as well as the latest fuel prices in your area. Our mission of Cruisers Helping Cruisers, may we invite you to help those following in your wake by sharing with us your cruising experiences. Thank you. Have a great day. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Jim Greer, who just recently finished the Great Loop aboard a solar-powered vessel. Uh, Jim, let's talk about how solar power made everyday cruising a little bit different. So you are certainly on limited power, limited propulsion power. Uh, Talk about piloting the boat in general or maneuvering uh, around the Great Loop route under the type of power that you had. Well, what it does, it makes makes you be aware of tides, currents and winds, et cetera. Uh, the boat definitely underpowered to go against the tide, for instance. Uh, and and it, it being so light, it sits on top of the water, it's so shallow. Obviously, as you know, without a keel or anything like that, the wind seems to have a tendency to move you around. So when you've got a big flat roof of solar panels, um, it's a sail. The, the the wind blows you, and you've got to work on that. So everything you have to do, I mean, every hour of the day is planning the next move and the next, as you go through the, you know, following your channels and everything that you sh- you're, you're obviously doing, you're you're having to plan the the time and when you need to be at a certain place because the tide currents and things like that as you know we watch the winds on a daily basis uh obviously we headwinds are never any fun which i guess that's the way it works for all even the big power boats so i'm sure it affects them in some way one way or another but with a little boat like it is and i, I call it a little boat because it only sits nine foot eight inches out of the water it's uh of course it's 48 feet long big long skinny thing but um, it, 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 it's affected so much by those things and and being maneuvered only by one outboard motor by turning it, it you have to uh, pre-plan all your turns, everything. You know, you just, it makes you think all the time and be aware, which I think any good boater obviously is. They don't just, I don't think they turn an autopilot on and go to sleep or something, but, um, you know, it, it, de- it definitely makes you aware and by staying aware, you get more. I don't know. It, the, the experience itself is more fulfilling because then you it becomes you in the boat, and that's that's kind of the way it was with me. Is it was such a challenge to do it, and the reward that I've got out of doing it is, you know, what makes it all worthwhile. In that case, you know, by doing it by solar, it's. I I can't even imagine. I've been on some power boats, and I used to commercial fish, and I've been on, you know, very 250-foot commercial fish boats and that type of thing. But, you know, so I've been on a boat with a lot of power, and I never paid any attention to it because you just 
turn the throttles on and go, it was never an issue because you had plenty of horsepower. But definitely, if you're underpowered, it, it takes some effort, and you just have to pay attention and make plans, and every move all day long is planned. I I don't know how else to put it other than that way. Yeah. Maybe if I can try to answer it a little more to for you if I can. Well, but did you have any challenges docking, you know, under, under limited horsepower, um, a pretty wide boat because it is a trimaran. Any challenges docking, particularly in places where there's tides, swings? Um, let's just say that I got very lucky. <laughs> I, I, I had some wonderful experiences docking. I that, that that almost sounds wrong to even kind of say, but I got so that I can maneuver the boat quite well, and I usually can put it where it needs to go because I learned mm-hmm. how the boat works on less horsepower, and I found a lot of horsepower can get you in trouble because you overpower when you're docking sometimes. And by the, I I think I'm saying it right. So you correct me, Kim, if I'm saying it wrong, because I don't want to step on anybody's toes by saying the wrong thing here. (laughs) But I found that with its smaller horsepower and the way the boat run, and after you pay attention to it so much, it just becomes a natural thing. The greatest thing that ever happened to me for the fun thing, because, you know, we all have a bit of an ego, you know, we shouldn't have, but we, I'm sure that we all do, is I was pulling into a dock up in Canada, and it was a 12-foot wide dock or whatever it was, or on one side I had, and and the winds and the current was blowing me, and I cut at an angle, and I come in hard, and the boat is really good with thrust and reverse. I can stop mm-hmm. it in five feet. You know, it's amazing what it'll do because it is the, the weight it is. Anyway, a lady that become a very good friend, and I won't embarrass her by it, she come out with a big stick. I always call it the big stick, the big push ball. <laughs> she's going he's gonna, to, and she was screaming, he's going to hit our boat. declared <laughs> it. We went in. We stopped it just before I ran into the forward dock, pull it to the side and, and the fenders lay up and just barely nudge the dock as we parked and one of the, the captains came up to me and he said you're different man he said we dock our boats he said you park them he said I've never <laughs> seen anybody take such a boat and park it in such a small space but it's all because of the boat lets you do it once you find out how to maneuver your own boat. They'll, if you work with your boat, it'll it'll take care of you. That, that's it, a great that's story, a, and I guess you know you're right that you know experience with your vessel um, gets you through some of those challenging situations. Um, so you've proven that it's possible to do this under solar power. Do you think that you would do it again? And if so, what would you do differently? Well. For you, I'm going to spill the beans. Now, this is going to sound funny, so don't don't take this wrong <laughs> the way I say okay. it. I'm actually going to become a member of this association that goes around the loop mm-hmm. <laughs> that I wasn't able to get to this time, and we're actually going to go do the loop again. We're going to do it a little different with a little different concept behind what we're doing. Again, pure solar-powered. Uh, we have a brand new boat we're building for it. Uh, mm-hmm. 
and we're we're going to probably have to steal half the stuff that I've got on this boat to do it. But it's a new hull. It's a it's a much smaller boat, much easier to power, much easier to get around. It's only going to be it's a two man crew, but it's going to have eight cameras and two. I have two drone helicopters, and we're going to attempt not only to shoot the whole loop, all the video of the whole thing, all the way nonstop. We're we're installing massive storage drives to store the video storage and mm-hmm. we're going to fly the drones to try to show you know aerial photos of the whole thing so that it can become a library of information for the loopers or anybody else that's out there on the water but well, that's, that's great it. <laughs> great concept we'll be looking step. forward to seeing yeah. that we uh we leave and uh we're going to leave a little late yeah i guess some people would say but I just got to be to Waterford by July 4th. So mm-hmm. <laughs> boat's already under construction, fortunately. So hopefully we'll make where, it. If not, we'll go, where will we'll you go be leaving from? Year. We're going to be leaving from Newport, Ritchie. So, okay. Uh, it's, that's where the boat's being built at. So this is where, you know, we don't have a home. The boat, believe it or not, the raw is my home. I have a, I have a piece of property uh, that I... I live up by Glacier Park up in Montana, when, but I hadn't been there now in four years because I've been on the boat. And due to the time, mm-hmm. like I said, the element, we we took the boat. We, we've we got it logged at, at 16,600-something miles total on solar power right now, wow. plus, you know, included in that was the loop. But, see, we went to Canada to bomb Cajun locks twice and turned around and come all the way back to Florida. So mm-hmm. we did a half a loop twice, you know, and, and then I went up to, we went, of course, up through the Thousand Islands up on the, out of Ontario and then all the Finger Lakes regions and and up the east coast of the United States a little while, but it come out of all, all total now, we've traveled 16,000 miles. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it, it, but that's over three years, four years now, so. But we, I don't feel that we did the loop. It's proper what it's got coming for what it is because there's so much of it I missed just trying to learn to do what we did, you know. So this time mm-hmm. I think I want to try it, you know. But there is well, a couple certainly of it was quite a feat doing that uh, completely without fossil fuels, doing it strictly under solar power. Um, happy to hear you're doing it again, and we'd love to be kept up to date on your progress with getting the new vessel ready and once you get started. So, Jim Greer, thank you so much for joining me today. We appreciate your time and the information. All right, Kim, thank you so very much for letting us be on your program. And everybody just enjoy what they see. Don't hurry so much. Great advice. Uh, thanks again, Jim, and thank you to our listeners. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. <laughs>